Welcome to the Protestants and Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Nat Nasworth, and I've been exploring the intersection of churches, Christians, theology, and public life for over 20 years as both a professor and a journalist. But I still have lots of questions. I invite you to continue learning with me as I interview interesting voices in this field. Welcome to Episode 1 of the Protestants and Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Nat Nasworth. My guest today is Carmen LeBurge. She is the host of Mornings with Carmen, which you can listen to every weekday morning from 7 to 9 on the Faith Radio Network. The show is also available on Google Play, iTunes, and other podcasting apps. Her previous show, the Re- called The Reconnect, was the National Religious Broadcasters Radio Program of the Year in 2018. She previously served on the board of the National Association of Evangelicals and has degrees from the University of Florida and Princeton Theological Seminary. Carmen is also a writer, and her most recent book is Speak the Truth, Bring God Back into the Conversation. Carmen, welcome to Episode 1 of Protestants and Politics. Thanks, Nap. What a privilege. Yeah, so I wanted to bring you on. Well, I guess I should first, I should say, we've, we've known each other a long time. We first met at the University of Florida as undergraduates, working together as volunteers in Young Life. Uh, so... Uh, for my first episode, I wanted to bring on a familiar voice. <laughs> we've been uh, we've been friends in the evangelical effort for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So, and also, you're very have a lot of experience doing this sort of thing for radio. Um, so, I thought it would be a good idea as my first podcast just to get a few tips from you and some ideas. So, what what are some interviewing tips you have? First of all, that I can take away from this. Well, let me start with, um, let's cast a vision for this podcast. So what are, let me turn the tables for just a minute. What are you seeking to achieve? Um, and why would a person listen to the Protestants and Politics podcast? Right. So this this is a topic I've been studying for many years. And so I have connections both uh, within, uh, pra- among practitioners, uh, pastors, and evangelical leaders and Protestant leaders. And then also I have connections in academia. And I've that's like most of, a lot of what I've done is to try to bring those two together. So I think uh, uh, in, in similar to my Protestants and Politics newsletter is to bring a lot of that information together, a lot of the research from academics and so forth, and then a lot of the ideas and knowledge that are coming from even important evangelical and Protestant voices. So I appreciate that. And uh, you and I like to talk about similar things, and we actually like to talk to similar people. So um, my, my top tips, maybe, would be talk to people, invite people onto your podcast who genuinely interest and intrigue you. Um, because... Uh, People are going to want to listen to you have a genuine conversation with somebody who you want to get to know a little better or who has ideas that you either resonate with or, you know, maybe gently push up against. Um, and so the listener is is the third person in the conversation all the time. Um, and yet you're often, uh, particularly in a podcast, you're not talking directly to them. And so I want to be asking questions that demonstrate I'm genuinely interested and intrigued by the person that uh, that I have invited onto my program. 
Oh yeah. So, uh, so basically bring out of that person, the, the idea is to have that person's ideas brought into the podcast is it's sort of, I'm sort of the voice of the listener wanting to bring out of them things that would interest them. Absolutely. If you, if you could imagine the listener sitting there saying, I wish Nap would ask um, that person this question. And then you ask the question, you have hooked that listener because that listener then like gets it that you're you're operating in the same space they're operating in, um, and you're asking questions uh, that resonate with them. You're seeking answers that they also want, and so that would take me to my second point. So after you've like invited people that genuinely interest you, uh, then like be honestly curious, and which means you're going to go into a conversation with a guest having really no idea where the thing might go. Um, and so although you know what they've written and maybe that is the um, the substance that you've agreed on in advance that the two of you are going to talk about, uh, I often find that something has happened in the last hour or 24 hours in the life um, of the of the person I'm talking with. and um, and that will be the thing that ultimately, they really want to talk about. And so be genuinely curious and sort of allow the conversation to go where it will. How do you frame the question to get them to talk about that? Well, part of it is um, if they're on platforms like Twitter, um, I I definitely watch the Twitter feed of like tomorrow's guests on my show. Those are the four Twitter feeds that if they're on Twitter that I'm kind of watching today. Um, so I'm going to know if one of those four people is, you know, hair on fire about something that is happening or some conversation somewhere, or if they've posted something new, um, I'm going to be aware of that. And that's going to be at their highest level of interest. And so asking a personal question that's obviously they've already revealed on social media, so it's not it's not intimately personal. It's personal in a way that they've already made public. Um sort of lets them know, hey, this is a person who is curious enough to follow me on social media and they're asking a question that's important to me right now. Uh, particularly authors um, who are like really prolific. So um, I'll, t- I'll use Oz Guinness as an example here. By the time you get Oz Guinness on for uh, a conversation about a book that has been published, even if it's even if you get him on launch day, he already has his next book um, uh, very, very far down the publishing uh, gangplank, which means he's really thinking about the next book. He's not thinking about the book that he's supposed to be on your show talking about. Knowing that about him means you spend a few minutes covering the book that has just launched, and then you figure out how to get him into a conversation about what he's really passionate about, which is the book he's researching and writing right now. So not everybody is like that, but People who publish every single year, that would be one of the things that you could just put in your uh, in your file and say, all right, this is a person who I know publishes once, twice, some of them three times in a in a 24-month cycle, which means by the time I get them on the show, they're actually already thinking about eat, eating, drinking, and sleeping the next book, not the one that we're going to talk about today. Hmm, that, that's a really good point. Um Oz Guinness is one of my favorite people to interview. I interviewed him several times over the years. Just uh, And that, that was always like one of my last questions I would ask him. It was, what's your next book? <laughs> your, what, or what are you working on now? Mm-hmm. But yes, he was always working on something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? It, yeah. 
So, my so other, what else? Any other tips? Yeah, my my I would also say um, have like a go to list of. Some of them might be questions. Some of them simply might be conversation starters. So I have up in front of me, um, literally like on the wall, on a sheet of paper, big enough for me to read from where I'm sitting, um, three three things. The three things that I have up there are tell me more. So <laughs> my first one is tell me more, which is my go-to in a conversation uh, a lot of times, particularly with people with whom I disagree. I actually want to know more about what they're saying. I want to get beyond their top line talking point. Um, I want to see whether or not they just memorize someone else's talking point or if there is more there. Um, so tell you know, tell me more about that. And sometimes I will repeat back to them what I heard them say. So um, so here would be an example. So so uh, Nap, you just you know you just shared that um, Oz Guinness is one of your favorite authors. He's been one of your favorite interviewees uh, over time. Um, tell me more about that. What is it about him or what he's writing or what he's thinking about or his viewpoint that you value so much that you would have him back again and again and again? Well, I'm going to provoke you then to talk about what you have learned from him or what it is about his viewpoint that you so value that you would platform him more than once um, you know, in an interview setting. Uh, so I'm getting you talking again about something you're obviously interested in talking about. So tell me more is the phrase that I have on the wall that reminds me in part to stay non-defensive, particularly if the person has gone down uh, or is going in a direction that with which I do not agree. I want them to keep going in that direction. I don't want to put a stumbling block in front of them, which means I don't want to become defensive. I want to allow them to run all the line out that they need to run um, on that. I also have uh, on my list of uh, off-the-wall questions, um, how does your faith inform that perspective? So after somebody has articulated something, particularly in the political realm, this is, I think, going to be important for you. Um, so you've got a person who knows they're on a podcast at the intersection of, uh, of faith and politics, so Protestants and politics. How does your faith inform that perspective? Or maybe for you, Nap, it's going to be how does faith inform that perspective? Because it might not be the individual's faith, especially if you're talking to a journalist. It's not their faith that's uh, the topic of conversation. It's the faith of whoever the person of interest is in the story. So how does faith inform that perspective? Um, and then uh, and then here's my other go-to you know, question or conversational hook. I'll take one word or phrase that the person um, who I'm talking with has just used. And um, I will ask them to define it. So, hey, Nap, you just used the term um, supersessionism. <laughs> I'm going to need you to. I'm going to need you to find to define that. Or how are you defining that? So again, I'm um, I'm being empathetic toward the listener who does not spend a whole lot of time, you know, roaming around in uh, in, in theological words, um, particularly if. If as a Christian, I recognize there's some Christianese being thrown away, uh, thrown around, words that are commonly used in Christian conversations that are not commonly used in the parlance of everyday Americans, or uh, words that are used in politics, acronyms that are used that um, we just assume everybody knows what they mean. Do, do you know the only reason that people today know that POTUS is president of the United States is because in the pilot episode of West Wing they told everybody that. So it's not that long ago that people didn't even know what POTUS stood for. And so um, there are things that 
we know instinctively because this is our area where we talk all the time. We'll make reference to things. Um, but if the listener doesn't know what we're talking about, they will tune out. So be prepared to make note of words that are used by your guest that you know regular people don't know what they mean or or you know those are words that are used differently by different people in the conversation today. Evangelical would be a good one. Pretty much any time anyone uses the word evangelical or evangelical, I ask them to define it. So when you say, um, you know, I have lots of relationships in a network of evangelical leaders, I am immediately going to ask you, um, what does that mean? Because I have to tell you, I just heard a person who's identified as an evangelical leader um, on TV, um, or, you know, I didn't actually see it on TV, but, you know, it's all over my social media feeds, saying something that is as far from the gospel truth as I could ever imagine. And that person's being, you know, publicly identified as an evangelical leader. So when you say that, what do you mean? Yeah, that's actually, when I... Uh, had this idea for the podcast. Uh, I was thinking about calling it evangelicals in politics, but the the word evangelical itself, you know, it's it's so contested as far as like what the actual meaning is and everything that uh, I, I decided to just go with Protestants in politics. You know, as as a more broader term, and uh, I, I wouldn't have to deal with that issue of how to define evangelical. But I think that um, inviting your guest to define a word if they use it, um, is a great way of not only allowing you to get them talking and find out sort of where they are on things, um, but it allows the listener to consider how they might answer that same question. You know, the word, the word love, are you defining it as like beauty and the beast? Or are you defining it, you know, uh, as the love of God that endures forever? Are you defining it the way uh, Paul describes it in his, you know, Corinthian correspondence? Are you describing it, you know, is it, you know, what, 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 of what, of what love are we speaking? Um, and, and when we use, even when we would use a term um, like immigrant or, uh, or enemy or neighbor I think it's helpful uh, to define the terms, and in the conversations that were that you were going to be having at this intersection of Protestant faith and people of Protestant faith and the politics of the day, uh, words are going to need to be defined because we just live in this Humpty Dumpty reality where it's it's upside down and inside out, and words don't mean necessarily what we always thought they meant, and so uh, you know fig- figuring that out publicly uh, I think is helpful. Yeah, and you talk about politics a lot on your radio program, right? Sure. Um, I'm not sure I frame it that way. Um, I what the way I describe it is the headlines. Like, so we bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. The headline news happens to be consumed with politics, and so because we deal with headline news, we deal with politics. Now, the, the reason I ask is so when you combine politics and religion. There can often be, you know, it can be a very emotional topic, let's say. <laughs> so when you, when you come across that, I mean, is, do you deal, how do you deal with delicate situations? Are you just sort of uh, blunt or do you like walk softly or how, what's your approach to those situations? I'm pretty straightforward um, in my approach. Uh, and I think that I am on air 
um, very much the same person that I am if you and I are sitting down and having a conversation, you know, over a cup of coffee uh, with our masks on Um, or far enough apart that we don't have to be wearing masks, which would be my preference. But even masks is a political topic today and masks in church, you know, like, right. So my my uh, my text line is always open during the show. And there could be, you know, there's 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 100,000 people out there listening live on the radio at any given time. And so for me to just leave this wide open text line for listeners to engage, they feel like, you know, is great. I find it sometimes a little overwhelming, but they do text things in that let me know they're listening. They have questions for the person that I'm talking with. They openly disagree with things that are said, sort of helps me be mindful of those conversations. And Every time you make reference to anything uh, that has to do with masks, the thing goes crazy. So I, I, I would say that um, on both sides, by the way, um, everything today is political. Everything today is political. And for Christians uh, or anybody operating out of a genuinely faith-based worldview— so I'm going to include there, you know, people who are genuinely Jewish and people who are genuinely Muslim, people of like genuine faith. Um, their worldview is what is guiding everything else. They are living out of that worldview. People who are, you know, secularist first, humanist first, they are living and operating out of that worldview. And... um being able to help them identify the difference between the way they are looking at something because of their faith is is really helpful. I mean, it's just really helpful for Christians in the culture today to help them see how their faith is influencing and informing the way they are looking at a political question. Because until you tell the fish they are in the water, they don't know what water is. Yeah, I, th I think that's a really good point. Um I think I would I would also add it's not just uh, how their faith is is influencing their uh, their views. It's being able to distinguish between when it's their faith in terms of like t the teachings of their faith versus their culture and the culture they grew up in and sort of identifying that with their faith instead of you know what is uh, what is being taught either you know from the Bible or from their pastor and or something like that. Okay, that's really good. And that's where you'll have to press people beyond, you know, sort of a list of talking points they might have read somewhere. That's how you get to that. That's that second layer question. Like, where is that perspective coming from? Or, you know, uh, how does your faith inform that perspective? That forces the person to sort of go to the next layer of the conversation. Or if they've used a term that they then can't define, you know, they're reading off somebody else's crib notes. So you, you had brought up the the mask issue and the the pandemic. Um, are there any other uh, you know major issues that you think with within sort of the Protestant world that people are really curious about or have questions about or are uh, really passionate about that would would be uh, a good topic for me to cover on this podcast? Uh, Trump. Um, pretty much we are headed into the, uh, I mean, we don't even have a hundred days left. So, um, we are headed into the hottest, uh, period of time at the intersection of Protestant faith and politics that I think we have ever seen. Um, Christians are more likely to be having a conversation right now about Donald Trump than they are about Jesus. That is a problem. 
Um, and so uh, he is consuming um, he is consuming a lot of the oxygen in the room. And you can't avoid you can't avoid him as a subject matter topic. Um, if you do, people will know you're not being genuine about every headline of the day. Um, however, you also cannot allow uh, everything to either become pro or anti-Trumpian because that doesn't work either. And so allowing people to struggle, platforming people who do not agree, would not agree if you had them on together, but you're not going to have them on together. So, you know, but uh, platforming people who would disagree if they were in the room together is probably really healthy because it allows your listener to overhear as a third party a conversation that they are having in their head and don't know how to have um, uh, in, in the world because it's, it's so hostile. It's so hostile right now. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's certainly a topic. Uh, everyone who knows me knows that it's uh, been a tremendous topic of mine and one I think about and have written about a lot. Uh, but I also know there will be a day when uh, we won't be talking about Trump. And I think there are still lots of other topics that, uh, well, I, I know there's lots of other topics that will remain, you know, uh, in the area of Protestants and politics. You know, what? one of those that's come up recently is uh, just sort of the, the religious freedom issue related to uh, the pandemic and church closures. And recently the Supreme Court has gotten involved uh, or actually decided not to get involved uh, with a case in Nevada where churches were felt like they were being treated differently than other types of similarly situated institutions. And the National Association of Evangelicals even has come out with a statement against it and so forth. At the same time, with churches themselves have to struggle with the issue of, you know, whether to meet in person or not and mask wearing versus not mask wearing, all these sorts of things. So is, is that a topic that uh, you've heard a lot about or is there, do you think there's a lot of concern about that among uh, Protestants these days? I definitely think that the religious liberty conversation is very robust, and there are so many angles um, from which you can approach that conversation. I think that um, churches specifically uh, are likely to to come out on the on the positive side of the conversation because in America we do value the ability to worship. We don't necessarily understand. Uh, the full liberty that we have in terms of our religious expression in every area of life. But we do seem to understand people should have the freedom to worship in places of worship with people of uh, of similar faith. So I do think that that one is, is one that will work itself out. I think there is a really interesting religious liberty conversation um, on the horizon about religious, religiously affiliated charter schools. So the Supreme Court just recently ruled that you can't, you know, you can't discriminate against a charter school um, because it's because it has a faith basis. We'll see how many, um, you know, how many groups or how many churches or how many uh, faith based organizations apply for uh, to become charter schools um, that have a religious basis. But that is going to be a really interesting, robust conversation. You know, uh, you know, 100 years ago. 
the reason we're having this conversation now is because, you know, there was a point in time that evangelicals didn't want Catholics to be able to get government funding uh, to send their kids to to Catholic schools. Well, now the big the big growth in education is among Protestants who want to be able to send their kids, um, you know, to evangelical or classical schools that have a Christian emphasis. And these Blaine amendments across the country um, have stood in the way of that. Well, that the Blaine amendment has been struck down. And so we're going to see um, we're going to see across the country. I think we're going to see this conversation bubble up and it's going to reintroduce the conversation about whether or not government funds um, can be used, should be used to support the education of a child in a faith based school. And, you know, as soon as we say all of that, uh, then the, ne- the very next conversation will be, I mean, I recognize it's a small percentage of the American population, but um, every Muslim in the country is going to want their child uh, educated in, in a school that teaches from their faith view, not from um, an American uh, educational worldview and so or a Western worldview. So to just be it's going to be a very interesting conversation because the religious liberty conversation is not one that just opens the door for, you know, Catholics and then Protestant Christians. It's it opens the door for everyone uh, and the full expression of their faith, uh, even if it's a faith with which I, you know, I would disagree. Yeah, definitely. That's that's a topic that I've also long been concerned about or interested in even long before uh, Trump sort of dominated the conversation. So, uh, yeah, that's a really good idea. I definitely want to get some experts on in the religious freedom field and and so forth to talk about these issues. Um, you know, there, there's so much conversation around that and, and also sort of the issue of whether, uh, you know, cr- Christians are, you know, uh, being discriminated against in the United States and all these sorts of conversations uh, and how they relate to what's going on uh, in the judiciary. Um, so we just have a few minutes left. So just tell, uh, tell me what's going on in your life. What's, what do you have coming up on your show? What are, what are some things people can look forward to if they want to uh, listen into your podcast or your radio show? What's going on with you? Well, I talk to um, a range of, of people um, and we cover whatever the headlines uh, of the day are. So, you know, tomorrow we'll literally be covering, covering whatever happens today, tonight, tomorrow morning before we go on the air. Um, and then there are times when we settle into a subject matter area um, with an individual because they have a particularly deep uh, expertise in that field. And so those conversations, um, you know, tend to be focused on an article or a piece that they have recently written um, or some substantive research that's done in an area, obviously, that's not necessarily headline driven. So, um, I mean, today we did uh, the uh, Pew Research God and the global. See, I have already forgotten because you know that was like ten hours ago. Um, yeah. So, like you know, people's view of God around the world and how that influences you know how they function. And there's so much. There's so many economic conversations related to that uh, in terms of whether or not people have a, a functioning faith and how that influences. Um, the economics of a nation, but then in reverse, as people get richer and as nations get richer, um, they walk away from whoever their God was. And that's interesting, like, right? And so that uh, we've talked recently with a number of folks across um, that subject matter area. Ross Douthat has been talking about decadence and how, you know, once you reach this this point of decadence in a society, that a devolution begins. Um, 
John Kingston's got a book uh, out right now, almost on like exactly that same subject matter area. And he just talks about the decline of nation states when they reach the place where they're not just walking away from God. They have they've literally reached the point where they believe they can function without God. And so, you know, I would look at a headline, let's say right now, that is telling us that Americans are interested in having uh, leaders who are moral and ethical, but not necessarily religious. Well, once you've divorced ethics and morality from religion, you you literally just have pragmatism. You have whatever we as the people imagine in any given moment is is of utilitarian best for uh, whoever among us is in charge. That's bad. Like, that's bad. And so those are the kinds of conversations that we have um, in addition to, gosh, everything from uh, sports to movies to, I mean, you know, I've been talking fairly frequently about Kanye West, you know, right? He's a, he's a Christian and he's, got, mm. he's big in the headline news. So I'm just saying that, like, right, whatever is popping in the news, what we're trying to do is equip Christians to go into the conversations that are already happening today in the world and to do so in a way that honors Jesus. So how can I equip my listeners uh, to talk about the things that people are going to be talking about today because it's the big stuff, um, but to do so in a way that honors Jesus, that Jesus would recognize as consistent with his character, um, you know, that he would say, yeah, yeah, that ambassador is walking that out into the world in a way that I uh, I would claim and and is consistent with who I am. Yeah, all that sounds so interesting. So please check out uh, Carpenter's show. It's on Faith Radio Network, right? And also yeah. on podcasting apps. Yeah, but they can just come to my right. website, which is re- reconnectwithcarmen.com, and uh, it's like one-stop shopping. Oh, great. Yeah, it makes it easy. Can you believe it? I'm a podcaster now. You're a podcaster. One Congratulations. done. Episode one is done. Thank you. Thank you. It's amazing. Thank you so much for being my first guest. Absolutely. It's an honor. <laughs>